On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla's pivotal Q2 earnings call has arrived, bringing with it plenty of big news about the future of the company. I've got all the highlight clips and analysis for you coming up right after this. Howdy friends, Ryan McCaffrey with you for episode 260 of Ride the Lightning for July 26th, 2020. Daisy the Boxer is no longer Daisy the Boxer puppy because she is three. So technically she is a full adult dog now, although if you're a boxer owner out there, you know they don't really grow up pretty much ever. Maggie never really did. She was always very, very playful and puppy-like her whole life, but uh, here's to a long life for Daisy. She had a, a good birthday this past week. At least because I was here. <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't out at the office. So but she is upstairs snuggling with my daughter now at her bedtime. So she's doing some good boxer dog work. Anyway, uh, it was a good week for Tesla, as uh plenty of good news coming down the pipe as far as the Q2 earnings as well as future plans for the company. The news was really all good. Uh, in fact, though, there was some interesting stuff that broke ahead of the conference call. So let me just start by sharing that stuff with you before we dive into the Q2 earnings call highlights and analysis. Again, if you're a newer listener, I do these once a quarter every time there is an earnings call where I just go through the entire hour-long call, the whole shareholder letter, just break everything down, chop it up into fun little bite-sized clips, all just the best highlights and then uh, serve that that sort of best of package up to you to uh, talk through what's going on in the world of Tesla. So we'll get to that very shortly. But first, check this out. Elon was talking on Twitter about the Model S being still his favorite Tesla vehicle. And he was asked, is red your favorite too? And his reply was interesting. It was this, quote, the new... Deep Crimson from Giga Berlin is my favorite. So, of course, uh, the Giga Berlin paint shop, however advanced it may be, we've been promised that it will be more advanced, it doesn't exist yet, nor does Giga Berlin itself. But maybe Tesla's already got it all planned out, and maybe they've been doing some test colors, some sort of test runs in a, you know, on a very, very small scale somewhere. Maybe here in California, maybe somewhere else. Maybe they're even doing test panels to see what they want to do with the new paint shop. But I'll tell you, a crimson red would be a bit like the old signature red, which was a multi-coat almost a maroon. That was kind of a, a more of a maroon, which I, I always found gorgeous. I love Signature Red. You may have never seen it because it's only it was only available on the first thousand Model S's and first thousand Model X's. And of those, not all of those cars are Signature Red. You know, at, at best, this is just me guessing, at best, half of them, but it may even be less than that. So you're probably looking at a total of less than a thousand signature red cars running around uh, in in the entire Tesla fleet, which is now what? Half of how many? It's like a million cars, something like that. I'm not even sure anymore. But anyway, 
I wonder if Crimson Red that Elon's talking about could be something like the new Tesla Roadster's red, the red that's on the prototype. Maybe something in between that Roadster red and Signature red. I don't know, but his... Elon's response on this was kind of out of nowhere, so this is one of those things where I'm filing it away. If I ever get the chance to sit down with him and interview him again, I want to follow up with him on that, because I am eager to know more about what he means by a new deep crimson. Also, this week, the other thing I wanted to mention for you before getting the Q2 earnings stuff going is that Model Y leases are now available. So it only took, what? really about four months into production for leasing options to be available for Model Y. They start at $499 per month, if you're curious. So take a look at the tesla.com website now, head into the Model Y Design Studio for more details if you've been waiting for that option. All right, time for the Q2 earnings call, but the shareholder letter precedes that by about an hour. They send that out before ahead of the call. That's what actually announced some really good news. And let me start by sharing an excerpt from that shareholder letter with you now. It reads in part, quote, Our business has shown strong resilience during these unprecedented times. Despite the closure of our main factory in Fremont for nearly half the quarter, we posted our fourth sequential gap profit in Q2 2020, while generating positive uh, free cash flow of $418 million. We believe the progress we made in the first half of this year has positioned us for a successful second half of 2020. Production output of our existing facilities continues to improve to meet demand, and we are adding more capacity. Later this year, we will be building three factories on three continents simultaneously. Now, the third, the third one, so the first two, you probably are, have already guessed, Giga Berlin and Giga, uh, the new central United States Giga factory, which I'll tell you about in a minute. The third one is the Model Y expansion, a very large additional uh, facility going up at Giga Shanghai that will house the Model Y production line for the Chinese market. So... Uh, as you probably heard in there, the other big news out of, well, the real primary big news out of the Q2 shareholder letter and the Q2 earnings is that Tesla was profitable. They did it. $104 million gap profit, which means inclusion on the S&P 500 on the stock market could happen. Tesla is now eligible. Now, I have never professed to be an expert in this. I still am not. I, I look at it very casually. I've learned a little bit here and there, but apparently the S&P committee has to meet and decide on whether to include Tesla in that group. They they will add and and remove companies on a uh, on a regular basis. So that their next meeting is coming up. It's the third Friday of September, which is September 18th conveniently for Tesla, right before Battery Day. So should they be accepted into the S&P 500 and then uh, wow everyone at Battery Day, which we are going to hear a little bit more about later on in this episode, that could send Tesla's stock even higher should that S&P go through and then immediately be backed up 
by some cool next-generation battery technology news at Battery Day. Elsewhere in the shareholder letter, Tesla noting that their production goal is still 500,000 cars for the year 2020, despite that six-week shutdown. The letter reads, again in part, Although the Model Y production line was operating for about four months in the first half of 2020 due to shutdowns, we exited Q2 with Model Y production running at installed capacity. This ramp was significantly faster than our initial Model 3 ramp, which took over nine months to reach the same weekly rate. We are installing additional machinery at the Fremont factory, which is expected to increase total Model 3 and Model Y capacity from 400,000 units to 500,000 units per year. So that is a 25% increase there. Uh, And we're going to hear more about that machinery later on in this episode as well. So this is just incredibly impressive. Now, I am curious. I wonder how much of that mix is going to end up being Model Y by the end of the year. Should Tesla achieve its 500,000 production goal, 500,000 car production goal, I am curious how much of that is going to be the Model Y, because, you know, they only just started delivering the Y in March. They've ramped it up fairly quickly, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many uh, they end up making with this quicker than, I mean, this is, the Y is the fastest production ramp that Tesla has achieved yet in its history. So that's really, really great news. Elsewhere in the shareholder letter, the next-generation Tesla Roadster and the Tesla Semi are listed as, quote, in development, with the Semi specifically noted as having deliveries beginning in 2021, which would seem to all but confirm the Roadster for 2022, as we more or less already knew from Elon's comments, what, on Joe Rogan a month or two back. So that was already assumed. This this kind of seemingly makes it more or less official. But both are not listed under any of the existing factories, uh, or even the, the next one, but they're just listed as United States. So the question is, well, will will those will both of those vehicles maybe get their own separate new facility somewhere, since they're both likely to be relatively low-volume production and they're both likely to use next-generation battery packs and drivetrains? Well, not quite. More on that in a bit later on, too. Sorry to do... I promise I will pay off all of these teases that I'm giving you. Also in the shareholder letter, Tesla touting their over-the-air software advantage uh, that they have over the entire automotive, automotive industry by saying, quote, it has been more than eight years since we delivered our first Model S. During that time, we have regularly updated the software to each of our over one million vehicles. There you go. That's that's the number I was looking for earlier, a million cars. Every week, we review feedback from blogs, social media, or aggregators to learn what functionality our customers would like to see next. Over-the-air updates have been a part of Tesla's strategy since the beginning, and the functionality continues to improve. For example, in Q2, we enabled the interior camera, of course, in the 3 and the Y, enabled repeater cameras when parking, and improved the user interface. Well, I don't really have much to say there, other than the reason that I I wanted to read that to you, is because I just got a kick out of it, because... They said social media, which is really, if you just translate that, it means 
we look at what Elon says yes to on Twitter. That's, that's exactly what that means, and I got a kick out of it. Finally, from the shareholder letter, before we get to the earnings call proper, Tesla giving their 2020 outlook, saying, quote, We are continuing to build capacity for Model Y at Gigafactory Berlin and Gigafactory Shanghai, meaning they're, in, they're still working on those factories, obviously, and we remain on track to start deliveries of these vehicles from both locations in 2021. The next U.S. Gigafactory site has been selected, and preparations are underway. Tesla Semi deliveries, as I mentioned earlier, will also begin in 2021. We continue to significantly invest in our product roadmap. All right, with that, let's get to the earnings call. As always, I start with Elon Musk's opening statement. This one is just over eight minutes long, so take a listen, and then uh, I'll have some comments on it. First of all, I'd like to thank the Tesla team for exceptional execution in the second quarter, despite uh, tremendous difficulties. Um, they've done an incredible job, and it's an, it's an honor to work with such a great team. Um, I mean, there were so many, so many challenges, too, too numerous to name, um, but the, they, they got it done, um, and just what, what a great group to, to work with. Um, like I said, it's just an honor to work with such a great team. Um, so, and as a result, we were able to achieve our fourth consecutive profitable quarter. Um, and although the automotive industry was down about 30% year over year in the first half of the year, uh, we managed to grow deliveries in the first half of the year. So despite that um, massive industry, industry decline, we actually went up. Um, we're also very excited to announce that we're going to be building our next gigafactory uh, in, in Texas. Uh, it's going to be uh, right um, near Austin, so not not. It'll be about. I'll, I'll, I'll just go into a bit of detail on this, um, and then I'm sure there'll be a lot of questions. Um, but the lo the location is uh, five minutes from Austin International Airport and 15 minutes from downtown Austin, and it's about 2,000 acres. And we're going to make make it I think, a factory that is going to be stunning. It's right on the Colorado River, uh, so we're actually going to have uh, going to have a boardwalk uh, where there'll be a hiking, biking trail. It's going to basically be an ecological paradise. Birds in the trees, butterflies, fish in the stream, um, and it'll be open to the public as well. So not, not closed and, and, and only Tesla. So if, if anyone's interested in working at uh, Giga Texas uh, uh, with engineering, production, whatever the case may be, um, uh, please let us know. This is uh, We're going to be uh, doing a, a major major factory there, uh, and it's also where we'll be doing uh, we'll be doing Cybertruck there, the Tesla Semi, and we'll be doing Model 3 and Y for the uh, eastern half of North America. Um, now, at the same time, I want to say we, we will continue to grow in California, uh, So, but we expect California to, to do Model S and X for worldwide consumption. Uh, and 3NY for the western half of North America. Um, and then we think probably also the Tesla Roadster, uh, a future program, would also make sense uh, in California. So I think this is a, a nice split between uh, Texas and California. And um, yeah, just to emphasize, we'll continue to grow in California, uh, but we'll, we'll be creating a, a massive uh, factory and uh, Cybertruck and semi programs in Texas. 
So, uh, and, and, and I also want to just say, do a shout out to, to Tulsa, um, and and just say th thank you very much for to, to the the Tulsa team, um, the economic development team, and the governor. Uh, really, I was super impressed. The whole Tulsa team was, was super impressed, and uh, we will for sure strongly consider Tulsa for uh, future expansion of Tesla down the road. Um, let's see, is there anything more we want to say about? There's a lot of information, so anything else, guys? All right, well, I'm sure there'll be lots of questions. Um, uh, we, we've already started work on the facility, so um, some initial uh, construction work, so it's, it's already underway, um, started this weekend. Let's see, moving on to other subjects, uh, uh, solar. Uh, we recently adjusted the pricing of our retrofit solar. Uh, so Tesla Solar is the lowest cost solar in the United States, uh, and we added a lowest lowest cost guarantee and a money back guarantee. So we're very confident that people will will have our solar product, whether it's the solar retrofit or solar roof. Um, our solar is now 30% cheaper than the U.S. average. After the federal federal tax credit, uh, Tesla Solar now costs a dollar 49 per watt, um, and uh, it's a, it's a very simple, highly automated single click experience. So. Definitely um, think about uh, Tesla, whether you want a new roof or, or Tesla solar roof, or you want solar on your existing roof. Either way, uh, we're, the, we're, the, we're the company to go to. Um, and, um, yeah, and then you can also get a power wall and, and, and have energy independence and, and be your own utility. So I think that, that product is really coming together, um, and it's only going to get better later this year. So... It's just very excited about that that uh, business potential. On the, you know, um, if additional technology stuff, we introduced the first uh, 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 production car with more than 400 miles range. So the current Tesla Model S uh, now has an EPA certified range of 402 miles. Uh, I mean, you basically, you can drive from LA to San Francisco nonstop, and still have some. Uh, Miles left over when you arrive, and and this this is at highway speeds, so you don't have to do anything, uh, drive slowly or anything. You drive it, you can just drive normally and, and uh, you know go very very long distances. Um, and then for full self driving, we launched traffic lights and stop signs, uh, and we continue to improve that and make it more robust. Um, and we're currently uh, testing full self driving software for. Uh, intersections and city streets and narrow streets. So um, I, I personally test the the latest alpha build of the full self-driving software when I when I drive my car, um, and it is really I think profoundly better than people realize. Um, yeah, really profoundly better. It's it's, it's like amazing. So um, it's almost getting to the point where I I can go from my house to work with no interventions, uh, despite going through construction and widely varying uh, situations. Um, so I, this is why I, I, I'm very confident about full self-driving functionality uh, being complete by the end of this year, it's, it's because I'm literally driving it. Um, in conclusion, uh, uh, I'd like to again say thanks for all the hard work of the Tesla team. Uh, achieving our first full year of profitability in the company history uh, was incredibly difficult, um, and, and just as a result of the hard work of a, a lot of people from Tesla worldwide. 
Um, and and yeah, just think about the next the next 12 to 18 months. Uh, we'll have three new factories in place. Uh, you know, things are looking great with uh, Giga Berlin, uh, and um, what we'll have Cybertruck, Semi, Roadster, uh, full self-driving. There's so much to be excited about. Uh, it's really hard to kind of fit into this uh, call, but uh, the, the sheer amount of hardcore engineering, especially on the uh, you know autonomy and the, the manufacturing engineering front, is mind blowing. Uh, and then of course there's Factory Day, which is you know coming up pretty soon, um, and I think that's that's really gonna surprise people by, by just how how much there is to see. Um, so uh, with that, uh, thanks again for your support in our long-term mission. Um, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, having a great journey with you to create amazing products and continue scaling it. And uh, yeah, this is, uh, I think, I've never been more optimistic or excited about the future of Tesla and then the history of the company. So there you have it. Gigafactory 5 goes to Texas and specifically Austin. But how cool was it to hear about their plans to have it be integrated into the community like that and open to the public? To me, that sounds really cool. And I think it's a great initiative to take both for this project and any future facilities. Now, we, of course, knew the plan to do the Cybertruck and Model Y for the eastern half of the United States there, but we finally have confirmation on where the Tesla Semi will be built, and it will be in Texas. I mean, it makes perfect sense. It's centrally located. They'll have a lot of space for what is going to be a big vehicle to build. Now, the next big question, as uh, as Texas Governor Greg Abbott did make a congratulatory tweet is whether or not Tesla will amend Tesla Texas will amend its anti-Tesla dealership laws I, as I'm hardly the first person to say this in fact I'm I'm probably the 7000th person to say this but I would hope and really assume even though I know what assuming does <laughs> that 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 law change would be part of this agreement. Uh, this is a billion-dollar factory deal. I would expect that a change to that law is going to be part of it, although they will be fought tooth and nail by the Texas Auto Dealers Association, no doubt. Also, by the way, I'm really glad to hear Elon say, we continue to grow in California. Hopefully that means that any bitterness between Elon and Tesla and the state of California and the county officials in Alameda, hopefully all of that has faded away and everybody is back to feeling good about each other and, and the, the, relation, the business relationship there again. I mean, he did, Elon did certainly sound very chipper about it there. In fact, he really, he was in a good mood. You, you could tell, really, this whole call he was in a very good mood. There have been earnings calls where you could tell that he was not in great spirits, but this one, he was very, very clearly in a good mood, which was nice to see. Now, moving on, the other interesting item here that jumped out at me is Tesla finally acknowledging the new Roadster. They have not just, they've not said a word about that car on an earnings call in quite a long time. 
and it seems to finally be moving off of the back burner and back into active development. And personally, I, I am super happy and, and really proud as a Californian. I mean, I talked about this back when the whole California stuff was was going down there at the beginning of the shutdown that I am so proud to have Tesla here in my own backyard in the Bay Area, and I'm thrilled uh, that the next generation Roadster is gonna be built right here in my own backyard. Well, I guess not literally my backyard, although that would be pretty cool. They might, then maybe you could, my backyard's big enough, you could maybe do one fender at a time in my tiny San Francisco backyard. Anyway, um, my final point I wanted to make about Elon's opening remarks there is that he talked up full self-driving once again. We're going to hear more about that later on in the call, but it's great to hear him say that he's never been more optimistic about Tesla and the future of Tesla, and it was just nice to hear him. He expressed a lot of pride in Tesla's, quote, hardcore engineering. Great stuff there. Fun opening remarks from Elon. All right, next, what about uh, a smaller car? What about a future smaller vehicle? A Tesla hatchback, a city car, if you will. Elon was asked about that, and he had this to say. Well, I don't think we can comment on, you know, our detailed product roadmap beyond what's announced, because I think we'd, we'd want to reserve that for product launches. Um, but it would be reasonable to assume that we would make uh, a compact vehicle of some kind, um, you know, and, and probably a, a higher capacity passenger vehicle of some kind. Uh, you know, it's, these are likely things at some point. Um, but I, I do think there's a long way to go with 3 and Y um, and with Cybertruck and Semi. And, you know, so it's, it's a long way to go with those. Um, I think we'll do the, the obvious things. So here's yet another mention of a compact vehicle. Presumably, this will be the Made in Berlin hatchback that he mentioned on Twitter fairly recently. I will say my wife badly wants this car. She's gone from, from being pretty indifferent about all things Tesla to being like totally ready to buy a small car. She won't buy, like Model 3 is too big for her. Uh, and she's, it's, it's her car's still fine for now anyway, but she's starting to like bring it up a lot. Like, so when the time comes around, she is going to be, uh, probably the first person in line for Tesla's smaller hatchback city car. Um, but it, yeah, like I said, it's, it sounds like it's still a good way out. Still, presumably if that car does get made in Germany, you'll be able to buy one here in the United States. Now, for us specifically, just because we live here in the Bay Area, it would be a bit funny to have a car built for my wife, have it built 40, what, 4,500 miles away, however far Germany is, Berlin is from San Francisco, when the company's headquarters is 45 minutes away. <laughs> so I just got a kick out of that thought. But anyway, we'll see how that develops in the coming years. He did mention a, quote, higher capacity passenger vehicle there as well. Hmm. All right, let's talk full self-driving. That's uh, That came up a few times. In fact, the next two clips are both about full self-driving. Here is Elon uh, speaking to it, just in more in general. Go ahead, Elon. And then uh, I think Zach is in here too. Yeah, uh, 
Zach uh, Kirkhorn, the CFO of Tesla, is in this clip too. And right now, by far, by far, FSD is just overwhelmingly the most important thing. Um, you know, I think the the upgrading of the fleet to full self driving, um, essentially with an over the software update, I mean, may go down as the, the the biggest asset value increase in history as as a step change. You know, not the, maybe there's something bigger, but it certainly would be one of the biggest. I can't think of anything bigger. Um, so sort of a, so overnight, you know, a million, you know, depending exactly on when it happens and when it's allowed in various um, regulatory uh, jurisdictions, you'd have like, I don't know, at least you know, a few million cars suddenly becoming five times more valuable or something like that. Um, it's only five times higher utility. You know, they go from like 12 hours a week of utility, something like that, or that's how many hours are used, uh, to 60, something like that. You know. So everything else is pretty small by comparison. Um, now, when things do become full self-driving, so what are people going to do in the car? Well, I guess they're probably going to do productivity and entertainment of some kind. You know, watch movies, play games, and do work. But that, that's that's in the future. Yeah. We're already putting some games and stuff on the car just for fun. Yeah. Yeah, we have been experimenting on that. And so, um, you know, FSD remains by far and away the biggest opportunity in the near term. But we're putting the plumbing in place to um, be ready to scale other areas when the time is right. So premium connectivity subscription is something that we put in place. Uh, and the ability to upgrade your vehicle through the app, for example, on acceleration boost, or upgrading a standard range Model 3 to a standard plus, adding rear heated seats. So these are things that uh, we have, and we're continuing to get feedback from the field and other things that we can launch, and we'll trickle those in with time. Yeah. yeah. But they're all very tiny compared with, like, the tra- like the, the step change to full self-driving, depending upon how you calculate it, is probably worth, an, you know, at least $100,000 per car. So that's a lot of software you have to sell, you know, <laughs> in the App Store or whatever, you know. So not a lot of new information there, if any, but I thought it was still interesting to hear how Tesla is thinking about full self-driving from a business and revenue perspective. Now, here next is a a little bit more meat uh, about full self-driving when Elon was asked about upcoming full self-driving milestones. The the actual major milestone that's happening right now is, is really a transition of the autonomy system or the cars like AI, if you will, from thinking about things in, um, I call it like two and a half D. <laughs> it's like think of, it's basically taking like isolated pictures um, and and doing image recognition on the, on pictures that are partially correlated in time, but not not very well, uh, and transitioning to kind of a four D where you know it's it's like your which is video essentially you get you're thinking about the world in three dimensions and for the fourth dimension being time. So 
that that architectural change, which has been underway for some time, but has not really been rolled out to anyone in the production fleet, is what really matters for full self driving. Um, so, what, you know, what we've been doing thus far is really just been with like 2D, mostly 2D, and and and, and like I said, not well correlated in time. So. You just people just—it's just hard to convey just how much better a, a fully 4D system w would work. It does work. Um, it, it, it's capable of things that it—that if you—if you're just look, looking at things as individual pictures as opposed to video, like basically like you go from like individual pictures to uh, surround video. Um, this is fundamental. So the, the 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 car will seem to have just like a giant improvement. Um, I know probably roll it out later this year. Um, but it, you know, we'll be able to do traffic lights, stop turns, trucks, everything. You know, pretty much. Um, and then it will be. A long march of nines, essentially. How how many nines of reliability um, are okay? Um, so it'll definitely be way better than human. But how much better than human does it need to be? Um, so that that that's actually going to be the real work. There's just a massive amount of work with each kind of order of magnitude of reliability. Um, But you'll see, you'll see it happen, and if you plot the points on a curve, it'll be kind of obvious where it's headed. Um, AI in general, I think, is something, you know, I've been saying this, banging this AI drum for a decade. We should be concerned about where AI is going. Um, the people I see being the most wrong about AI are the ones who are very smart, because they can't imagine that a computer could be way smarter than them. That, that's the flaw in their logic. They're just way dumber than they think they are. So there's where we got the more interesting update on full self-driving. This is the autopilot total code rewrite that's been in the works for a while now. It's going to be a fundamental change to how autopilot data is read, how it's ingested, processed, and learned from. It sounds super cool, and it sounds like that should be rolling out to our cars uh, sometime later this year, before the end of the year. How about manufacturing? This is another big topic that Elon uh, seemed to want to hit on on this particular earnings call. So Elon was asked about the alien dreadnought and the, the progress on, on making Tesla's factories even more advanced. That, of course, you'll remember, was a, a huge talking point for Elon in the Model 3 ramp, it didn't go as well as he'd hoped. They ended up kind of scaling things back, going with more human effort, and they've been kind of blending the two more since, working in, you know, trying to be smarter about the mix of, of human labor and machine labor. Uh, but now the uh, as, as the gigafactories have advanced, they're, they're trying to design things more smartly. So here's Elon uh, talking about that. 
Well, we're putting a massive amount of effort into manufacturing engineering, the machine that makes the machine. There's probably 1,000%, maybe 10,000% more engineering required for the factory than for the, the product itself. Uh, so we're certainly making making progress. I mean, you know, battery and powertrain factory, Gigafactory Nevada is, you know, on an alien dreadnought version 0.5, something like that. You know, starting to approach version one. Um, we're, we're getting way better at making cars. You can see that in Giga Shanghai. Um, and you, you'll see that even more with uh, with Berlin. Um, and, and we're really changing the design of the car in order to make it more manufacturable. The, the fundamental architecture of, of Model Y will be different in Berlin. It, it may look the same, but it, the internals will be quite different and fundamentally more efficient uh, architecturally than, than what we've done to date. Um, hey, Drew, would you like to add to that? Uh, I, yeah, I was going to expand on that thought. I think um, part of the Alien Dreadnought concept is not just automation, but minimizing the number of process steps and complexity involved in the manufacturing system, which involves really integrating design and manufacturing across from like when the raw materials enter the factory to the finished goods exit. Yeah. Um, and, and we're learning so much through doing that. Yeah, vertical integration is extremely important for this. Yeah. Um, but the supply chain, if you, if you if you put like a GPS tracker on, on a molecule from when it got mined to when it was in a usable product, it would look insane. <laughs> like in, in, it would be like, wow, it went around the world like six times. Um, so with vertical integration, maybe you can only go around the world once. You know, it's a huge improvement, or not even like half a only go half. A, I think if you get vertical integration, alone, it could probably get you an order of magnitude improvement. Um, so yeah, um, I mean, Jerome, you want to. I think the the focus for us is uh, um, in increasing the um, capex uh, efficiency. This is something that uh, uh, we've been working very hard uh, for the past three years, um, and you can see that uh, we can build new factories for less amount of money and much faster. Yeah, uh, those things go together. Um, yeah, it's a better it's a better factory for less money in less time. Yeah, less money means less time. Yeah. So that's a, a, a great advantage, and um, we're also reducing this, and it still is a lot uh, the amount of inefficiencies. We want every operation to add value yeah. to the vehicle. M value meaning moving the atoms closer to their final state. You know, so we do yes. not want any robot that just moves things. Yes, without or, adding or, or a person. It, 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 yeah, like, yeah. In fact, it's like we, we want to be super respectful of people's labor. If, yes. we, if we're asking somebody to do something, are we sure it's useful? Are, are we asking them to spend their time in a way that is respectful of their time? Um, but, but but it's like wow, the potential for improvement is is tremendous. And like I just want to be clear. Here at Tesla, we love manufacturing. It's mm -hmm. awesome. Um, and I, I really think more smart people should be working on manufacturing. 
it's and we like, want more people. Yeah, we we can exactly. find enough people. <laughs> we, we, yeah. we do. If people are interested in designing new lines and uh, trying to do things different, you know, Tesla's got a job for you. And now we've got jobs yeah. everywhere. It's not only in California. Yeah. We got jobs in China, in Berlin, in Austin, Texas. Yeah. And in California, if you uh, so there's plenty of uh, exciting places. And all these places will do original work and challenging yes. and meaningful work. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it, it, it's actually extremely exciting for, and fulfilling to design new production systems. Um, and I think that, you know, for some reason I kind of got a bad rap, especially in the U.S. for a long time. And, and I think people didn't think that manufacturing, sort of, they thought of manufacturing as like, oh, it's just bore, some boring, just making copies or whatever. But actually there's far more opportunity for innovation in manufacturing than in the product itself. Um, order magnitude. Uh, so, uh, it, but, like if there's one thing that comes out of this call, it's like, hey, if, if, if you want to help us invent amazing new manufacturing techniques um, and, and have input into the product itself, it's not like you just get tossed the product and say, hey, make this, this product and it's a kind of a lousy design You'd get if you're a manufacturer, you get to change the product design and say, "Hey, this, this product you're asking me to manufacture is dumb." <laughs> they're like, "Great, let's fix it." You know, so uh, it, it, you know, at Tesla, if you work on manufacturing engineering, you don't just get force-fed a turd sandwich. You, you get to change the product design. So, you know, it's 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 super exciting, and and we evolved the lines uh, even after they're built. They're this rapid evolution of the production system. So, um, and there's nothing more rewarding than going from zero cars an hour to yeah. five thousand cars a week or thousand cars a day. Yeah. So you know, like the long-term sustainable advantage of Tesla, I think, will be uh, manufacturing. A couple of things here. First, the additional clarity on how the Berlin-built Model Y is going to be different than the U.S. or Chinese-made versions. And remember that the Giga Berlin factory, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, is supposed to be getting the more advanced paint shop. So the German Model Y might really be the best version of it in the world by a lot of definitions, even if the range and capabilities of the vehicle are exactly the same. Second point I wanted to make here is Elon acknowledging how critical an advantage that vertical integration is to Tesla, which I talk about on this podcast from time to time. I mean, that is what is allowing Tesla to not only maintain their competitive advantage, but grow it. Uh, and finally, I just want to note that I, I totally laughed at Elon's you don't just get force-fed a turd sandwich. <laughs> the, if you work at Tesla, quote, uh, as far as if you work in manufacturing, I, I got a kick out of that. Next, uh, you know, as I've said before, I don't cover, I don't pay a lot of attention to the energy side of the Tesla business. I'm a car guy. The cars are what excite me and, and uh, get, me, get me really enthusiastic about what's going on at the company. But an important financial note about the relevance of, or I should say, really the importance of the energy side of the business. Yeah, well, I, I, I can't emphasize enough. I think long-term Tesla energy will be of the, the, roughly the same size as Tesla Automotive. So, uh, I mean, the energy business collectively is bigger than the automotive business. So you say, like, you know, how, how big is the energy sector? 
bigger than automotive. Um, so, and, and in order to achieve a sustainable energy future, we have to have sustainable energy generation, uh, which I think is going to be primarily solar uh, and, and, you know, set, followed by wind. And those are intermittent, so you need to have a lot of batteries to store the, um, store the energy because the wind doesn't always blow and the sun doesn't always shine. So this is just to remind you that, and me, that Tesla is an energy company too, not just a car company. They see the energy side of the business as huge in the long run. In fact, uh, if you're curious, I will mention, Tesla just lowered the prices of their traditional solar panels, not the solar roof tiles, but the uh, just regular solar roof panel, solar panel, excuse me, while also increasing their efficiency. So they lowered the price and increased the efficiency, which is the exact combination that you want if you're a customer. So if you're on the fence about that, maybe take a look at the Tesla website, maybe price it out, see if it might work for you. Uh, all right, speaking of battery technology, a couple of clips now about that specifically. We're gonna hear from Jerome, Jerome Guillen, the head of uh, automotive at Tesla, and speaking about battery technology and the Tesla Semi. Yeah, so what's our production next year, as we announced before? I'm personally very excited about the project. I can't wait. Uh, we do have a few trucks that keep driving around and that keep delivering cars, uh, but uh, we're going to accelerate that. I want to be clear that uh, the first few units uh, we will use ourselves, uh, Tesla, to carry our own freight, uh, probably mostly between Fremont and Reno, which is a fantastic test route. Uh, we want to prove that we have re really good reliability. I mean, so far the early units do have it, but we'll we'll do that at the larger scale. And we have also promised uh, some early units to some um, long-term, very patient and supportive customers, and we'll do that. And uh, now we have uh, more sales coming up in uh, next year, as uh, Elon just pointed out. So we can uh, increase uh, the. Um, uh, diversity of the portfolio. It didn't make sense up to now to do it, yeah. uh, but uh, uh, we'll be ready. And um, that's yeah, maybe a little bias. I'm very excited about this, and uh, we have a lot of very unique technology that we've always dreaming about that we will be putting into that semi. It will be just awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, and just there's like two general classes of. of Cell, there's like the iron phosphate and then the nickel based. Uh, nic the nic nickel based cells have um, higher energy density, so longer range. Uh, obviously, those are needed for something like the semi, um, where you know every every unit of mass that you add in battery pack, you have to subtract in cargo. So you, it's very important to have a mass efficient and long range uh, pack for for batteries. Um, however, what we're seeing with uh, our passenger vehicles is that our powertrain efficiency and uh, sort of tire efficiency, you know, drag coefficient, like basically all of the things that, like, you know, our HVAC uh, go, going to a heat pump, um, basically our, our total vehicle efficiency has gotten good enough with uh, Model 3, for example, that we actually are comfortable having an iron phosphate battery pack in Model 3 in China. Um, and, you know, and that, that'll be in volume production later this year. Um, so we think that, you know, getting a range uh, that is in the high 200s, uh, you know, basically, but we think you probably get a, a range of almost 300 miles uh, with an iron phosphate pack, taking into account a whole bunch of uh, 
of powertrain and other vehicle efficiencies. Um, and and that, that frees up a lot of capacity for things like the Tesla Semi um, and, and uh, you know, other projects that require higher energy density. So, yeah, so you, you have like two, two supply chains that you can tap into, iron phosphate or, or, or nickel. Um, we use very little cobalt in, in, in our system already, and that's, that may trend, you know, to zero along. So it's just really about nickel. You know, I don't know if I've ever heard Elon really talk about the earth elements of the battery packs like that. I actually didn't know that nickel-based cells have higher energy density and longer range. I, I'm learning new things, which is great. And that comment about the iron phosphate pack going into a 200-something mile range pack in China, I wonder if that's maybe going to be a new standard range version for that market. And that, that pack would free up the higher density nickel-based cells for the semi and, quote, other projects. So I, I have to think that he is talking about the Roadster there, possibly also the Cybertruck. Uh, so that though, either or both of those would make a lot of sense. All right, speaking of nickel, Elon really wants some if you have it. So please call Elon if you have nickel. Well, I'd just like to reemphasize, emphasize, you know, any mining companies out there, please mine more nickel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wherever you are in the world, please mine more nickel. And, and, and don't wait for nickel to go back to some long, some high point that you experienced some five years ago or whatever. Go for efficient, you know, as environmentally friendly nickel mining at high volume. If Tesla will give you a con giant contract for a long period of time, <laughs> if you mine nickel efficiently and in, in an environmentally sensitive way. <laughs> so hopefully this message goes out to all mining companies. Uh, please get nickel. <laughs> um, with, re with regard to passenger vehicles, uh, I, th I think the new normal for range is going to be just in U.S. EPA terms, uh, you know, approximately 300 miles. So I think people will really come to expect that as, um, you know, some number close to 300 miles as, as normal. You know, that, that, that's a standard expectation. Um, uh, because you do need to take into account, like, you know, is it very hot outside or very cold? Or, you know, are you driving up a tall mountain um, with, with a full load uh, and, and it's, uh, you know, people don't want to have a, you know, get, get to the destination with like uh, 10 miles of range. They, they want some reasonable margin. So I think 300 is going to be really, or close to 300 is going to be a new normal. Yeah, call it 500 kilometers, basically, roughly. It'll be interesting to see if the range on the standard range plus Model 3 inches up over time, since you heard Elon say there that he thinks 300 miles is the expected norm now as he sees it. Tesla insurance time, that seems to come up on a lot of these calls. Go ahead, Zach. Um, yeah, we were joking before the call that we get the quarterly insurance question that pops up on say.com here. Um, we are working super hard on insurance. Uh, I'll go into a little bit more detail here than I have on the past. 
Uh, currently, we have a product in California, as I've described before. It's been quite well received, and um, I, I would largely describe it as a fairly standard insurance product with elements of it that are unique to our cars. So you can think of it as a, a version one of Tesla insurance. Um, yeah. Well, Version 0 0.9 in the beginning, at least. 0 yeah. 0.9. But yeah. <laughs> what, what we're working on now um, is we can call it version 2 or we can call it the first version of our telematics product. Yeah. And so really, ultimately, where we want to get to with Tesla Insurance is to be able to use the data that's captured in the car uh, in the driving profile of the person in the car to be able to assess correlations and probabilities of crash and, and be able then to assess a premium on a monthly basis for that customer. And uh, what makes this very exciting for us is the, the amount of data that is available with the customer's permission to use uh, is, is not available in any other product or any other vehicle in the world. So this gives us a unique advantage in terms of information. And you know, we have a decision point here where we could take the California product and replicate that into other states, or we could Delay, delay going into additional states and instead put more effort into the telematic side of this. And, and we chose the latter. And where we are now is um, nearly complete with the uh, risk and cost analysis associated with the first version of the telematics product. We hope to be filing that in a handful of states with regulators very shortly. And uh, assuming that regulatory approvals go uh, smoothly, we hope to have this uh, in a handful of states by the end of the year. And um, and then you know, we'll continue to file for approval in additional states. With regulatory approval there, we'll continue to roll this out nationwide as quickly as we can. And then that product, as we continue to collect more data and we iterate on it, will be version 2, version 3, et cetera, as we continue to refine that. Yeah. I mean, at, at the heart of, of being competitive with insurance is what is the accuracy of your information? Like, are you dealing with are, are, are you forced to assess people statistically looking in the rearview mirror, or can you uh, assess people individually uh, looking ahead with, uh, with with smart projections and inform the the, the driver that uh, that of, of how they may reduce their what, what actions they can take to reduce their insurance? Um, as Zach was alluding to, it's like if, okay, you're driving too fast, you're you know doing this or that or the other thing. It's like if you if you want to pay more for insurance, you can, uh, but if you want to pay less, you know, then uh, please don't drive so crazy. <laughs> um, then, uh, then people can make a choice. Like, okay, they want to drive aggressively. In the case, it'll be higher higher insurance, or they want to be you're more careful in the driving, and it'll be pay, pay less. Um, it's also actually very helpful for us to have a feedback loop to see what is driving insurance expense. A lot of it is just, it's like, um, you know, like a little fender bender, and then that fender bender, because of the way that the body collision repair was being done, you know, cost like $15,000 or something crazy. And we're like, well, how? And, and then we can actually adjust the design of the car and adjust how the repair is done to actually have the fundamental cost of solving that problem be less. Um, so this, this has helped us unearth a, a whole bunch of silly things that we were doing, basically, um, without realizing it. Um, which is, this is the problem with, in general with insurance. It's like, if, if the insurance is like all you can eat, then it, the feedback loop for improvement is weak. 
So uh, this, this gives us a great feedback loop for improvement. It gives us basically a fundamentally better insurance product. Um, I'd also like to say, this, on, in the spirit of recruiting, because if, if there's one thing I'd like to come out of this call, it's um, that a, a lot of great people want to join Tesla. That's the number one thing I'd like out of this call. Um, and on the insurance front, I want to be clear, we're, we're building a great, like a major insurance company. Um, if you're interested in revolutionary insurance, please join Tesla. I, I would love to have some high-energy actuaries, especially. I have great respect for the actuarial profession. Uh, your guys are great at math. Uh, please join Tesla, especially if you want to change things <laughs> and you're annoyed by how slow the, the industry is. This is the place to be. We want, we want revolutionary actuaries. <laughs> but what if I have a performance model and I want to slam the accelerator at freeway on-ramps when it's safe to do so, which I do and I do. Am I going to get penalized on Tesla insurance for that if the telemetry data is monitoring my driving habits? So I'm curious about that as, a, as, this, as this sort of 2.0 version of Tesla insurance evolves and ends up rolling out. Uh, this was an interesting question. I mean, it is financial in nature more so than the, the cars itself, but I think it's it definitely speaks to Elon's philosophy for the company. Elon was asked about uh, profitability versus growth and adoption, basically making more money or getting more cars out there. And this is what he had to say about it. Well, I think we actually achieve both when you factor in autonomy. Um, I think we can go, go way beyond industry margins and, and have the car be affordable to more and more people and, and eventually, you know, almost everyone, almost everyone uh, when factoring in autonomy. Um, but that was really a mega game changer, uh, giga, giga, giga game changer. Um, yeah. Uh, but, I, I mean, it is important for people to, to distinguish between two things. There's value for money that a product has, and then there's affordability. And, and uh, you know, even if you rail value for money and have value for money, like, infinite, if people do not have enough, if, if people do not have enough money in the bank account to buy the car, they simply cannot. So then you just have this, like, awesome thing that nobody can buy. So uh, it is important to make the car affordable. We will not succeed in our mission if we do not make the cars affordable. Um, like the thing that bugs me the most about where we are right now is that our cars are not affordable enough. Uh, we need to we need to fix that. So we're all making progress in that regard. Um, just sort of steadily making progress. Um, yeah. So yeah, um, like we, we we need to you know not go bankrupt. Obviously, that's important because that will fail in our mission. Um, but we're not trying to be super profitable either. Obviously, we're like, you know, profitability is like 1% or something, you know, this 1% or 2%. It's not, it's not crazy. Um, last quarter was only 0.1%. So we want to be profitable. Like, I think just we want to be like slightly profitable and maximize growth and make the cars as affordable as possible. That's like what, what we're trying to achieve. Well, I imagine investors probably won't want to hear that answer, although it's nothing new. It is how Elon has operated the company for basically its entire history. Also true would be that 
growth would still mean bigger profits, even if they're not passing all of those profits on to investors. But I thought that was an interesting quote to play for you. All right, I've got one more clip here, and it is about demand, but it goes it goes into another interesting topic here. So here's Elon. Uh, demand is not our problem. Definitely not. Uh, yeah, we do have some production supply chain challenge that was challenges we're trying to solve right now. Um, you know, for example, the Model Y rear body casting, obviously because it's new technology, it's been tricky to maintain rate and, and keep growing the the rate for Model Y casting, uh, which is it's a two-piece casting with a bunch, and then there's about a half a dozen other parts that are added on um, that, that will transition to a one-piece casting. In fact, I'm pretty super excited about this. We're going to have a giant, the world's biggest casting press uh, is getting assembled right now, actually, in Fremont uh, for the Model Y rear body casting. Um, it's enormous and looks awesome. Um, so it's like our, the things that are troubling us right now are not demand that there are um, just a, a bunch of firefighting on supply chain and production uh, issues. I just thought it was kind of cool to hear that the world's largest casting press is being installed at the Fremont factory right now. That's all. I just wanted you to hear that. Uh, so there you go. That is the earnings call. It was a good one. Obviously, the news was all good for Tesla. We'll find out about the S&P 500 inclusion here in a couple months from now. In fact, uh, yeah, just under exactly two months. Elon was in a really good mood. The news was all fun. So next up, as I said, battery day alongside the shareholder meeting on September 22nd. All right, I'm not done just yet. Stick around. I've got a little bit more for you, including your pro tip of the week right after this. July long, Ride the Lightning is brought to you by Connect Coolers. Perfect for summertime here. It is the only hard cooler custom designed to fit your Model 3. It fits perfectly right in the rear trunk well, and it's perfect for road trips, heading to the beach, and everything in between. It features a Tesla-inspired design with responsive handles and thicker insulation than industry standards for superior thermal performance. It's made in the USA and connects ships for free anywhere in the US or Canada. You can be one of the first to get it and also lock in a discount of up to 20% when you visit cnctcoolers.com to pre-order. That's $60 off. Head on over to cnctcoolers.com now before the special pre-order price expires. That's cnctcoolers.com. I want to thank Connect Coolers for sponsoring the podcast all month long, CNCT. Last chance to get that discount if you're interested in that. So if you've been putting off heading over their website, now is the time. All right, uh, as far as the Ride the Lightning hotline goes, I've got plenty of your calls, but we're already over an hour. Uh, I don't want to keep you forever. Your time is precious. So I'll get back to the Ride the Lightning hotline next week. If you would like to call in, maybe you have a comment on something from the earnings call, something about Giga Texas, what have you, feel free to call in. There is, again, one of two easy ways you can do that. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less, and send it over to me via email at 
teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can call and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll-free number number, pardon me, that you dial up, and it's 1-888-989-8752. 1-888-989-TSLA. All right, uh, let me play now the clip of the pro tip of the week. No, it's not talk soup. I was just I was just launching into an old John Henson. You, did anybody ever watch John Henson's version of Talk Soup? I think that was the best version there ever was. And it's time for the Talk Soup Clip of the Week. Now, the pro tip of the week, which comes from you guys in the audience, and this one actually comes from my friends at Living Tesla. Take a listen to this. Hey, I'm Matthew from Living Tesla. Have you tried to remove one of these covers from the Model Y? It kind of sucks. Like... It's loaded down with clips all the way around and it's really hard to remove. I have some pry tools, just pretty typical what you would find on Amazon. I have two sets of them so that I have two identical. And you really need that to even get started with this thing. There's a little indent right in the middle. So you put the first tool there and you put the second and you just kind of use them to work your way around. But after doing it a few times, I decided that this really wasn't ideal for what I'm doing. So, made something. It's just a pry tool, made out of plastic, but it has the right dimensions and thickness and angle to it that it does a little bit better job. And it's also nice because I can just keep these in the car. So again, right in the middle, and you just use the two of them to kind of work your way around. And you're really looking for those clips because this is the right thickness to get in there and release them, hopefully without doing too much damage. So once you get that out, you just kind of push down on it and pull and it'll slide out. You see, the length of this is just right to meet up to these little clips and release them. So yeah, I mean, there's nothing really all that special about it. It's just a simple little tool with some thought out dimensions to it. But we'll sell them if you guys are interested. Just let us know in the comments. We can do different colors if you guys are interested in that. We'll put it in our shop in livingtesla.com. So Matthew's talking about the Model Y tow hitch cover on the back of the car there. Thank you so much for that, Matthew. You know, those, those little claw things that you've made there really seem to make that job easier. So uh, speaking of livingtesla.com slash RTL, that's the site to head to for not only those, if you're interested as a Model Y owner, but the snap plate for the three, the Y and the X, a front license plate bracket that snaps on and off in seconds. Great for car shows, uh, parking meters, taking off, you can take it off if you wanna leave your cleaning, put it back on for toll roads, bridges, uh, whatever you want to do, the URL is livingtesla.com slash RTL. No drilling anything into your bumper, no adhesive, no sticking it on the front like the, the, the default uh, Model 3 one that you get with the Model 3. Meanwhile, abstractocean.com has plenty of awesome Tesla accessories from tempered glass screen protectors for, the, your, for your dashboard touchscreen to uh, brighter lighting kits for the car and, and even in different colors if you want to do that. They've got the TESLA lettering like the Roadster has if you want to do that on the back of your car. All kinds of great stuff at abstractocean.com and use the coupon code RTLPODCAST at checkout to get 15% off of your first order. 
Meanwhile, irdetailing.com, that's the website for Immaculate Reflections, the detailer of choice for me, and certainly who I recommend if you're in the Bay Area or going to be in the Bay Area. Uh, Jeff now offers a completely touchless pickup and drop-off if, uh, if you request that. He does brilliant work, whether you're looking for paint correction, paint protection film, ceramic coating, etc. irdetailing.com there. Mention that you listen to this podcast and you get a discount. I just did that myself when I had my film redone from when I screwed up my car pulling into the garage. I mentioned that uh, I mentioned Ride the Lightning, and he, he did indeed, true to his word, gave me a discount. Uh, PureTesla.com slash RTL, your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode needs. 128 gig or 256 gigabyte kits. They are shipped free in the United States, and it comes out of the package totally ready to go. So it's Literally, all you do is go to puretesla.com slash RTL, order, you know, you're putting in your credit card, your shipping address, and then when it shows up, take it right into the package, straight into your Tesla, and boom, you've got a dash cam and sentry mode. And then Jada. Ah, there is a new discount code at Jada, and it is Ride the Lightning. So if you, all one word, just put that in, at get and the, the URL to use is getjada.com slash ref slash eight. So Jada spelled J-E-D-A. Getjada.com slash ref slash eight. And you can get yourself a discount. Uh, so thank you to the Jada folks for setting that up for the Ride the Lightning audience. So they've got the wireless charging pads for your phone in the Model 3. They've got the USB hubs for the 3 and the Y. Those are their two products. I use them both. I am a big fan of both, particularly the wireless charging pad. Uh, I think that's a that's a super useful accessory for pretty much every major modern smartphone. So take a look at that. And then finally, if uh, if you appreciate what I'm doing here with the podcast, as I hope you do, especially if you've made it this far, I would sincerely appreciate if you would consider supporting me on Patreon, uh, particularly with these quarterly episodes, a whole lot of time and energy and uh, research and effort does go into the podcast. So it's it's optional, certainly. It's it's always going to be optional. The show will always just be free if you want to listen to it. But uh, if you have the, the means and the desire to throw your support my way on a recurring monthly basis, you can do so at patreon.com slash teslapodcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. That will about wrap it up. You can listen pretty much anywhere major podcasts are delivered, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, which TuneIn is in your Tesla. I'm also on Spotify, and then I'm on YouTube as well, just in audio only. Uh, there's no actual video there, but if you do want to listen on YouTube, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla. You'll find my channel, no problem. Uh, that will about do it, other than saying thanks to the Patreon producers. I've got a couple of new ones this week I wanted to shout out. First, a hello, a thank you, and an apology to Jamie Dalton. I'm sorry I missed you last week, Jamie. So thank you so much for your support, as well as Noel and Lucy Murphy. Thank you both very much as well. 
along with Pete White, George Cassioppo, David Brander, Jonathan Wales, Alexi Heft, Logan Willis, Robert Miracle, Jason Chalukas, Joe Edgel, Tim Hyde, Lawton from Chicago, Peter Chalet, David Vakil, Ulrich Lassa, Luke A., Eric Randolph, David Nondahl, Jerry and Mary Smith, Lyle Austin, Joel Sapp, Dory and Steve Guberman, Daniel Grummer, Jeremy, Tesla Owners Taiwan, Jeremy Harris, Rob Brewer, Ron Lee, John Cody, Matthew Wright, Charlie Gillespie, Kaz Barnes, Neil Weaver, David Perella, Sunil Joseph, Dennis Peak, Will Stedman, Evie Tricity UK, Stig Mickey Jensen, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, Richard Folkers, Matt Kalen, Trenton from Myrtle Beach, The Lydia Family, Michael Regal, Mark Eversole, Ish, Ramey from TeslaProtips.com, Chris Beach, Aaron Altschul, Steve Radspinner, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, and Seth Capello. Thank you all so very much for your continued support. That will do it for what is always a super fun, it's hectic during the week, because normally how I do the podcast is I basically, I work on it every night. Every single night after work, I'm catching up on your phone calls that you're calling in with. I'm just taking notes for any any Tesla news that happens that week, and I'm I'm building and shaping the show as the week goes. Like I said, literally every night. And uh, but on the the earnings call episodes, those never happen till Wednesday, and I record late here on late Friday night. So it's always a scramble. It's uh, it, the whole week gets compressed into. To one or two nights, plus the obviously the recording night here on Friday night. But it, I, you know, it is always fun. I always like how these turn out. I, as I said, I think last week they feel like it feels like a real radio show on the quarterly earnings calls, which I like. I like that's always my goal. I want this to sound like you're turning on FM radio to talk radio, and you're, you just happen to listen to the Tesla Hour with Ryan McCaffrey. But anyway, uh, enough of that. I've taken up enough of your time for this week for Daisy the Boxer Puppy, uh, excuse me, Daisy the Boxer, who has returned and is asleep on the couch, of course. I'm Ryan McCaffrey. This was Ride the Lightning, episode 260. Happy electric motoring, and I'll see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.